Uh, let's begin with prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to open your word, to read it. Lord, help us to understand it and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So every year we get together on the first day of the year, every year for the last four or five years anyway, and we discuss things that we're going to do for the coming year. So I want to remind you that that meeting is tomorrow. Tomorrow we will meet for our planning and prayer meeting. That's at 4 o'clock. Uh, we are going to discuss how serious we are about what we are going to do this coming year. There will be plenty of room at this meeting because we're going to meet in our new building. So uh, 4 o'clock, just everyone come. Don't feel like it's going to be crowded like it has been in the past. We're going to discuss the need for a new ministry team. So be excited about that and come in and hear about that. Uh, also, there will be a, new opportunities for uh, folks to serve because, well, at some point next year we'll be moving into our new building, Lord willing. There will be plenty of opportunities to serve there. And, of course, there will be lots of pizza and corporate prayer. The Lord calls us to pray together. And so that is part of our meeting tomorrow at 4 p.m. The past year's theme, which is something that we kind of get together and discuss on the first of the year, but the past year's theme was taking our lives seriously. And we discussed serious worship, serious learning, serious serving, and serious living. Taking our faith seriously. And I think we did a great job at being intentional with living our lives based on Jesus and His kingdom. And as I look back over this past year, I see many things that our church got right, that we did well. I see fruit growing in people's lives, and I see fruit growing in our community as a result of our efforts in Jesus' name. We are an active church. We're not afraid to try new things, and we're also content to keep doing the things that we've done for so many years that work. I'm pleased to be a part of a church that is well-grounded and energetic. And it gives me joy to say that this body of Christ is serious about living our lives for Jesus. Now for today's message, I want you to turn or read with me to the book of Exodus Chapter 25, starting with verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings, accept contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. Now pause for a minute there. You see the word hearts. I want you to remember that word contributions from all those whose hearts are moved to offer them. Verse 3 says, Here is a list of sacred offerings you may accept from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, purple, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat hair for cloth, tanned ram skins, and fine goat skin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and other gemstones to be set in the ephod and the, pre, the priest's 
chest piece. Then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it over the base. The people were declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you in giving these instructions. So the Lord has uh, given some specific instructions here. Now, what is going on? These uh, special things, gold and uh, oil and ram skins, and it seems pretty extravagant. Those whose hearts are led to bring these things, uh, he tells Moses, let them bring them. Something is being put together here. God wants to be with his people. And in verse 8, which actually this is chapter 24, verse 8. But chapter 25, verse 8, in Exodus, says, Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. God wants to live among His people. And He's telling of how to do that with all of these details. In the next few chapters... God explains how he needs the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant built. The tabernacle will be the tents, and not a tent like you and I might sleep in to go camping, but a magnificent tent. It will house the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark will be called the Holy of Holies the most sacred place. It will be the focal points of the presence of God for Israel. Now here's a picture that someone made about what the ark might look like. We have no reason to think that it didn't look like this, although we don't really know except for the details that we take. It's pretty extravagant. It's this really fancy a chest about four feet long and about two and a half feet wide and it's adorned with gold and it had gold cherubim at each end of it symbolizing the protection of this most holy of holies. And it had two gold rings on both sides of it. Through these gold rings was a strong wooden rod made for carrying this ark. And this pole was not to be removed. Once inserted through those gold rings, it stayed there. And God instructed them to put the stone tablets that Moses carried off the mountain with God's commands on them, instructed Moses to put them in this ark. This chest, this piece of extravagant worksmanship will be the focal point of what the folks will worship God with. It's an extremely crucial part of Israel's lives. This piece right here, they kept it near them. They lived by it. They worshipped God through the ark, and they used it 
her sacrificial offerings as, as the focal point of when they would sacrifice for the atonement of sin. They took it with them even when they went to battle. That seems kind of weird to us, that they have this item. And it was so important to them that they even took it to battle, you know? It's like a good luck charm. Well, they got to the point where they felt that that was the case. And we think, that seems kind of weird. Why would you just take something to battle with you? It's not going to help you. Well, some people, they'll take a, a rabbit's foot with them wherever they go. A simple little foot of a rabbit, which also seems kind of odd. Why would that give you luck? And so, maybe it's not so crazy that they take this thing with them everywhere they go, because it is the place where God would dwell among them. Focal point. Now here's the instructions that God gave them on how to move the ark. Once it was built, they were to move it in a certain way. Numbers chapter 4, verse 14. All the altar utensils, the fire pans, the meat forks, the shovels, the basins, and all the containers must be placed on the cloth. The cloth and a covering of fine goat skin, leather must be spread over them, and finally they must put the carrying poles in place. The camp will be ready to move when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the sacred articles. The Korathites will come and carry these things to the next destination, but they must not touch the sacred objects or they will die. Well, that's a pretty strict way to carry it. Those poles were extremely important. So, let's fast forward just a little bit. The ark gets stolen by the Philistines, which are Israel's enemy. But the ark is too hot for the Philistines to handle, and they want to get rid of it. Now, there's a lot of history on the ark that I encourage you all to go home and read. It goes here and there, and a lot of things happen around this most focal point, this Holy of Holies, where God would reside symbolically among His people. But the Philistines get tired of it, and so they load it up on a cart. Anyone see a problem here? They load the ark on wheels when God said, hey, this should be carried. It's not made for wheels. That's the purpose for the poles that are going through the rings. The Philistines, they, they load it up on a cart and they start moving it. And, and of course God is watching. You know, God is always watching. And, and I think He begins to stew over this. Does, does God stew over things? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't say. But we do know that God gets angry because the Scripture tells us that. So I just imagine God is, is seeing the Philistines move it and he begins to get a little angry. And you think he begins to, to heat up and maybe, maybe the pagan Philistines, 
you know, they get to survive mostly from this situation of loading up on wheels because, well, they don't know any better. They're pagans. And perhaps they don't know how God instructed them. Anyway, they take it and they give it back to Israel. So now it's back in the possession of Israel and it stays in Karath Jerem for 20 years until David decides it's time to bring it to Jerusalem, which is a good idea, really. The city of God, Jerusalem, the place where uh, the Israel is focused all of their worship on, why not have God's Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem? And so David comes up with this idea. And First Chronicles chapter 13 says that David sent out a message to all Israel, letting them know that the Ark had been neglected long enough. David is a man who wants to do things by God. He wants to do things God's way and worship him. During Saul's reign, King Saul was not a man of worship. We know David was. David gives us a lot of his songs that he actually wrote to God. Saul was not. This Ark of the Covenant was not a focal point during Saul's reign. But David is going to change that. He's a man of worship, so he's ready to make a big deal out of this. 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 8. David is... David and all Israel were celebrating before God with their, all their might, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres and harps and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. This is a party. It's, it's a moving party that's having a real party. David is so excited about what's going to happen. But let's rewind one verse. Verse 7, they placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house. You see the problem again? They put it on a cart. And it's got, the, it's got those poles on each side of it so that it can be carried like God told them to. David, what are you thinking? David knows he's not ignorant like the pagan Philistines may have been. David knows. Or he should have known because he knew it at one time. God has very specific instructions. David has all those instructions on how to do it right. David disregarded the instruction manual. You ever do that? disregard the instruction manual. I mean, it's fine if you're putting together a toy train set. Fair enough. But it's not fine if you're building, say, one of those big jets, maybe a 747, to take hundreds of people from this place to another part of the country or the world. It's not fine to put one of those together without following the very specific instructions on how to build one. And it's not fine when you are moving the holy of holies that God has given specific instructions about. It's not fine for us to live life without the instruction manual. 
it can result in a train wreck. We have everything we need to know right here in our instructions. So David, David puts the the uh, Ark of the Covenant on, on the carts and with the oxen in front, and uh, God is watching. You know, He always is. God is watching. He sees David put it on wheels behind the oxen. And I think he's shaking his head. He had to have been. Just, man, what is going on? I imagine, you know, he's like a parent at this point. You ever, with your children, you know, maybe they're doing something and it's getting on your last nerve. And, and, and there's two situations it can be like. The, the kid is doing something and it's getting on your very last nerve and you're like, if you do that one more time, is what you're thinking. And the kid's looking at you with the uh, keyboard that's making so much noise and they look at you and they push the key. There's that situation. And then there's a situation where you're a parent and you're in a room and there's a bunch of kids, yours mostly, and they're making so much noise, but none of them really know that they are annoying you because there's so much going on, but you're about to pull your hair out and you say, if that noise, wherever it's coming from, happens one more time, and then it happens. But none of them really know who made it because they don't know that there's somebody over here angry. I think that's more of what's going on here, and let me explain that. So God is watching. He's watching David deal with his Ark of the Covenant, and it's been improperly transported before. It's been improperly handled. It's been in the hands of enemies. And God is thinking, one one more thing. I'm going to have to make an example. And then, the next thing, the ark is rolling, and an oxen stumbles. An oxen just does what an oxen does when he steps in a hole. He stumbles, and the ark of the covenant tips just a little. You know what Proverbs chapter 16, verse 20 says? Those who listen to the instruction to instruction will prosper and those who trust the Lord will be joyful. Now let me read that same verse in the message version of the Bible. It says it pays to take life seriously. Things work out when you trust in God. It pays to take life seriously. I don't know if David, at that point in time, realizes what's going on. So the oxen stumbles, and and reaction takes over. A physical impulse drives a fellow named Uzzah to reach out and stabilize the ark. And we've no reason to believe that Uzzah was in the habit of disobeying the Lord. He's evidently a very trustworthy man, a man who honors God because... uh, David chose him to be in charge of the ark and to be the one right there when they were moving it. David took that very seriously. But God had had enough. And Uzzah had reached out impulsively, probably, to steady the Ark of the Covenant 
and that's the last thing he did on the earth. It's time to reestablish some boundaries. It's time to get the message across again that God wants his people to be serious about him. And so Uzzah died. Now remember Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. But they must not touch sacred objects or they will die. Well, you can imagine how David felt. He was upset. He was angry. And the scripture tells us that. We don't know exactly why he was upset. He could have been angry that maybe partially because Isaiah reached out and touched it when it started to fail. He could have been angry at God that God killed Uzzah. I think I keep calling him Isaiah. It just sounds better than Uzzah. But don't, don't tell him that when we get to heaven. Uzzah. So he's probably angry a little bit maybe that Uzzah reached out to touch it. But I think probably David probably upset and angry with himself. Maybe at that point thought, oh, that's right, I remember. We can't touch it. And probably the reason we weren't supposed to carry it on wheels is because we wouldn't have to touch it when it goes to fall over. You ever be upset at yourself or not doing things the right way and so it causes problems down the road. Uzzah mm. was trying to do the right thing, but he was doing it in the wrong way. David was trying to do the right thing by moving the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, but he was doing it in the wrong way. And because of that, others suffered and a man died. Now here's some things that we can learn from this experience. We need to take instructions seriously. And I'm talking about our scripture, these instructions. We need to read them. We need to keep them handy, to study them, to talk about them, and to live them out. James, in his first chapter of his book, uh, Verse 22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, and if you love me, obey my commandments. That means if we have faith in God, which I pray that we do here, that we will be doers of his word. We will take his word seriously. There is a reason and a purpose for every verse in this book. It's all useful and it's all meant for our lives. Take the instructions seriously. And number two, hey, let God's word be your rule. Be your rule. First and foremost, uh, this was David's fault. He's the one that chose to move it incorrectly. We need to remember that when we are leading others, we are responsible for them. Don't take leadership lightly. But in the case of Uzzah, if he would have trained himself with the Word of God to the extent that it was at the front of his mind, then he may not have reached out and touched the ark. 
After all, it was his job that David assigned him to do. He was right there. He should have researched the word, and maybe he could have been telling himself, whatever I do, I cannot touch the ark. Maybe he would research the word and say, hey, David, we ain't supposed to put this on wheels. Maybe he did. We don't, we don't know. But whatever it is, uh, let God's word be the rule for your life. We have got to take God's word and our faith in Him seriously. Don't uh, rely on somebody else's rules to tell you how to live your Christian life. Maybe a preacher or a parents or a grandmother. All of those influences can be very good. But folks, there is a reason that every one of us has a Bible. And our uh, ancestors who place their faith firmly in this book, have worked hard to make sure that we each have a copy of God's Word. Take it seriously. And finally, the most important thing that we can learn from this experience of moving the Ark of the Covenant is that God is a God of second chances. Hey, it's not safe to count on the second chance. But the whole message of God's word here is that we are not perfect and we need one. We need a second chance. God wants to dwell in our hearts. Remember when the Lord told Moses to have everyone whose hearts were moved to bring offerings to build the ark? No, we don't have the ark of the covenant anymore. We don't know where it is one apart, but that doesn't matter now because where God resides is within our hearts, is within us. Are you moved by that? We should be. We should be because all the specific instructions that were given by God to build that beautiful piece of, of a a trunk of whatever you want to call it, where his most important holy of holies resides, all the gold and the cherubim guarding it, that is now within us. That's where he is. David didn't leave the ark right there on the ground when Isaiah died, by the way. He took it to Obed-Edom for three months, and he went home to think it through, to regroup, to pray, figure out, how to do it right. And he used a second chance. He came back and he moved the ark to Jerusalem the correct way. And talk about party. Party the first time they were going to move it? Well, it ended abruptly when somebody died. But it wasn't anything compared to the party that they had in Jerusalem when David did it the right way. Think about the party that you're going to be at tonight. New Year's Eve party. Maybe that's going to be great, but I'm telling you it is nothing compared to the party that Jerusalem had when the Ark of the Covenant, God's focal holy place, was moved to the city of Jerusalem. David partied so hard that his wife actually couldn't take it if you read on the next chapter. She was embarrassed by how much David wished us partying and, and dancing and, and celebrating and worshiping. David was a man after God's own heart, and he was a man of worship. 
This was a worship party, as every party should be, focused on giving thanks to God and celebrating His wonderful glory and how He saved us. Hey, there's going to be a lot of things that happen in 2024. None of us know exactly what they are, but I pray that whatever happens, we will turn it into a worship party because we are taking our faith seriously. On this last day, 2023, if you need a second chance, Jesus is inviting you to come to Him. Now right now, I'm going to invite the elders up to have a time of prayer on this last day of the year because we uh, have someone here who has decided to take his service to his country seriously. Trevor, elders, come on up now. Trevor has decided to be a, a doer among our community. The scripture tells us to, uh, to fight for our freedom. I know this is behind uh, Trevor's heart. And uh, in a few days, I, actually I think it's the 14th of January, you will be shipped out to go to Kuwait for a year. And uh, first, you're going to Texas for about a week. And so, uh, church, I invite you to be praying for this young man and his decision. And I, I want you to know that, uh, that he relies on our prayers. The time when he was in basic, I know that uh, we all prayed for him a lot. And he was communicating back with me about how the Lord is working with you there. So, um, our prayers don't go unanswered, and um, I want to do that right now and be continuing to pray for